Hey guys, welcome to our winter review for 2020. We're going to be reviewing a lot of stuff. We're going to be reviewing ID Invaded, Darwin's Game, Smile Down the Runway, Toilet Bound Honda Cocoon, I Don't Want to Get Hurt So I'll Max Out My Defense, The Case Files of Jeweler Richard, Inspector, Somali and the Forest Spirit, Sorcerer Stabber Orphan, and Join the Pack Set Tone Academy. Let's start the show! <laughs> Roll that opening, Craig. Welcome back to the Otaku Melancholy Podcast. My name is Matt, and my id was invaded, so I maxed out my defense so I could smile down the runway, but first I had to hire an inspector because I was an orphan. Well, that's very impressive, but I am Brad, and I don't have any creative uh, juices like that, so I'm just going to complain about how much I procrastinate watching anime. Fantastic. Always a commitment to excellence by Brad. You know it. Yep, throw in the applause, Craig. Well, I'm assuming that you read the title, and I'm assuming that you also listened to the first part, unless you just like to skip the the cold openings, because you know they're cringe, but joke's on you. <laughs> this one wasn't. Ha <laughs> ha, you fool. Maybe. You're beautiful. You're a beautiful fool. I love you. Thank you for listening. To the Otaka Melancholy Podcast, we have been your hosts... Gosh, that's that wasn't that was funny the first fifty times. Now it's not funny anymore. We really do do it every episode. Yeah, it's almost like neither one of us has a comedic bone in our body, so we just fall onto the old tropes we know that were successful at one point because we were once gifted children who had certain talents, but now we don't know what to do because we've been worn tired from time and usage of people telling us we're smart. And I'm just gonna get into the actual review and stuff before I get tired of talking out of my ass because I'm just talking and I'm just talking and guys, help me All stop. Right, Craig, Someone... Thank you, Craig. Bring him back in. Okay, so I just had like a breakdown. <laughs> <laughs> Did you really? I thought you were doing a, a bit. bit. I was, but then it turned into a real talk. <laughs> I was giving my life story of where Craig cut the mic. Speaking of life stories, let's tell our story of our life watching the winter season. Okay, so I guess a little bit of preface. Obviously, winter season is over. New seasons are already, new shows are already coming out. We're going to give you a preview on those because you love this podcast, I hope. Yeah. But we <laughs> forgot that winter shows were going on because, as you might be familiar with if you listen to this podcast, we uh, we do a lot of reviews for other shows, and we forget to, to do things. You see, we had a plan that we, when the winter season was done, we were going to review most of the season, and we would do like other shows in the meantime. You see, we got so caught up in that that uh, the winter season ending snuck up on us, and we realized in our panic that we gotta watch these shows. And then luckily, good old Corona Chan came up and said, got you fam, no work for either of you. <laughs> so obviously, there are so many shows in a single season at a time. We don't have yeah. the man hours 
to watch all of them. And even if we did, we don't have the patience for it and the memory retention. So we picked some of the show, some of the shows that stuck out to us and that sound interesting to us, and we watched them. And now we're going to talk about those. And you might be asking, what about this show that I liked? Well, Timmy, I'm sorry. You're going to have to find another Anituber to tell you if you like it or not. Oh, wow. Fantastic. That's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> uh, and this is part one of a two-part one. This is the ones where we didn't really share the same shows, so this is not going to be really discussion-heavy as much as it's going to be rant-heavy. So More or less. Have fun with that. <laughs> And we won't get into any spoilers for any of the, any of the shows we're reviewing this episode. Just for any of those who uh, like to wait till the end of the season to start watching all the shows they want to watch. Uh, and yeah, if there's not a show we didn't cover, I'm really sorry. I'm actually going to be apologetic. I wish I could watch all this anime, but it's like every other week it's, oh, I've got to watch this, or oh, I've got things to do, or oh... People in my life require attention, and I'm going to not obey the quarantine laws and leave anyways. Actually, don't do that, by the way. I don't do that either. I'm actually going. Or you have to get your, your uh, dailies on Animal Crossing, and once you do that, you got to like pr- plant some trees and stuff. Yeah, why are those flowers, boys and girls? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we're doing the winter season, and we're going to start this off with ID Invaded. By Studio Nas, who did the classic hit, My First Girlfriend is a Gal, Hajimete no Gal, was directed by Aoki Ai, who also directed the also classic All Noah Zero, the second season of Fate Zero. He just loves zeros, huh? (laughs) And Recreators, which I hope you aren't sleeping on because it's really good. And I'm going to read you a brief description of each anime. And then I'm going to tell you my impressions, because that's just how we're doing it. This is our first time doing it. Please don't hate us. We'll get better. We, through your love and support, so shall we get better. Alrighty, so... Basically, this guy, Sakaido, you've, you've, you've probably listened to our preview, and you probably remember when I said, it's just... It's just psychopaths. With extra steps. The brilliant detective Sakaido, who was actually a detective until he started taking vengeance for his murdered family by killing serial killers, basically. He gets to hop into Idwell's and track for clues that'll help solve intense murders, such as people who are being buried alive and live-streamed while they attempt to survive. People who are being having their heads drilled inside with drills. And second guy, who I forgot about because it was kind of unremarkable. <laughs> so Sakaido hops into these idwells, which are usually repre- they're usually represented by just weird atmospheric environments. Like the first one is this broken up, this broken up house where all these people are gathered, and it's really cool. And one thing I have to say about this is, I love the concept. I really loved the concept. It was really cool. The first episode had me hooked. The art style, although it looks kind of deviant art esque, in all honesty, yeah, was interesting because it was outside the norm, and I really liked it. And again, this was and this was an anime original, and I'm always going to support an anime original because we don't get too many of those. And they used to be the gems, the gems. You would get an anime original, and it was it was a masterpiece. Yeah, this one was not. Oh. So, it invaded 
was it was something <laughs> and it's it, i remember you saying you were excited to see it because of the of the pedigree of the director or the studio it's like oh i remember the studio i'm excited for this show yeah i remember saying that too i was actually really excited for it I was hyped on it. It was going to be, I was like, this is going to be something new. This is going to be something interesting. And then I got it and I just got psychopaths with extra steps. <laughs> like I ranted about it in the preview. If you want to hear my stupid rant, go listen to the preview. But everything is so needlessly complex. And it, at one point they rip off really hard. They rip off, uh, drawing a blank on this. You'll get to mind, it. mind jumpy, jump into dreams movie. Inception. Yeah, Inception. So they steal Inception's deal and it just layers on layers. And don't get me wrong, I really love what this anime did with some of its actual stylistic choices. Like, I love the environments from the end end areas that they go into. I really think it's cool, but the concepts are just so out there and it's just it's really anime. And I know that's just a <laughs> That's not a good way to describe an anime, but it's really anime. And it I got hate to the point anime in my anime match 2020. <laughs> Get your anime out of my anime. But it just got so anime-esque and I was like, "Am I stupid? Cuz this show is making me feel stupid because I don't know what's going on." It became such a problematic where I did believe I was in fact impaired and had to read the synopsis on wikipedia for the episode because i was like i'm giving you a hundred percent of my attention it invaded why aren't you trying to keep up and, and and be reasonable with me but it is a really interesting show sakaido is really relatable and although i'm bashing this show i did have a tear brought to my eye during one pivotal sequence towards the mid the middle and it, I mean, I like Sakaido. I like the main character. He is—he looks cool. He got that long scarf. Yeah. And I'm all about the long scarf. You know me. You know me. You know me. You know me. I bet the sixth doctor was your favorite doctor then. It was the fourth doctor, by the way. But Shit. yeah. I knew I was taking a gamble. <laughs> you were, and you got played. Well, it invaded. Had a promise. It was promising. It was the. It, it was. It was a gifted child. The. It was very promising. And then it realized that reading at a fifth grade level in first grade isn't that impressive and slowly just ended until it just fizzled out. And I said, hmm. Uh, but overall, the characters are really interesting. I I really like Sakaido. I really like Girl Detective. <laughs> I, can't I can't say what I remember her for because that's kind of a spoiler. And I don't want to spoil you guys. But... It was a really interesting dynamic. I really did like how they were interesting entering these idwells, but I I'm going to be honest, I couldn't I don't think any of the characters had names because I was just when it introduces a room full of people and I'm like I'm not going to remember anyone in this room's name, that's when we know we've hit a problem. Uh-oh. <laughs> and the final reveal, I'm again, yeah, no spoilers, the final reveal for id was so unbelievably yeah, what of it? Because it revealed who the mastermind was, and I saw, I just was, yeah? I knew it was that person. It was obvious. Why are you making it such a nandato? And it just it just fizzled out, and I don't know. I don't regret watching it, but I also regret watching it. I feel that. And would I give it a recommendation? 
Uh, maybe it was sitting on like an eight on mal when i checked at one point so obviously someone's into it and maybe it's just that i'm too stupid and don't have brain but overall i think you might want to check this out if you're a fan of psychopaths if maybe you like a little bit more you like murder mysteries there's the mur there's there's no real hard murder mystery a lot of the actual solutions just were huh more so than aha so I don't I don't know if it'll appeal to anybody who likes murder mysteries in that sort of facet. But overall it's pretty solid, pretty solid, pretty solid, but not really. Uh so boom boom bam. Go check that out if you want to. I wouldn't recommend it, but if it's into your thing, maybe you should. Oh, uh all of my shows are on Funimation. <laughs> Every show I'm talking about today can be found... Uh, Inspector Can't, you stupid idiot. <laughs> Almost all of my shows can be found on Funimation. But we'll get to that. Okay. I have an anime that's like other anime. I'm going to talk cool. to you about a show called Darwin's Game. It is uh, made by Studio Nexus, who was known for Chivalry of a Failed Knight. Which, like I said in our seasonal preview... If you, uh, if you follow Digibro back in the day, you'll know that Chivalry of a Felt Knight is the better version of Asterisk 4. Mm. And Nexus is also known for... Not much else, to be honest. Like, they have done a few shows, but Chivalry of the Felt Knight is the only one that stood out. So, this is kind of like their, uh... I guess they're up and coming. And it's based on a manga from 2012 by Flip Flops. Mmm. We do Japanese, so wouldn't they be flop flips? Fripu frapu. <laughs> oh my goodness! Craig edit that out, maybe. Nah, Craig, why? Do, why does he get edited out, but I don't? <laughs> I say something inappropriate about my penis, and then I'm like, oh goodness, my mom listens to these sometimes. <laughs> but anyways, if you've seen Mirai Nikki and Batum, it's pretty much that. It's a battle anime where the characters have special powers. In, in this one, they're called sigils. Don't you mean sigils? <laughs> I'll get to that in a minute. Some shows have stands, some shows have quirks. This one has sigils, but in the dub, for whatever reason, they call them sigil. Like, I, like, I, I can't explain that. But... Darwin's game is it revolves around this uh, this mobile game called Darwin's Game, or as people call it in lingo, D game. And if you sign into this game, a snake comes out of your phone and bites you on the neck and gives you a superpower based on whatever wish you had at the time. So the power is uh, like based on your uh, like on your wish, which is kind of neat and could provide some interesting powers. Our main guy, Kaname Sudo, his uh, special wish was that he could get something to defend himself, so he has this superpower of spawning any item that he touched recently. And being the protagonist, this is a superpower that is so new and unknown that the game itself doesn't have a description for it. And so he attracts the attention of a lot of fighters, a lot of high-level fighters who want to see who this up-and-coming up kid is. So, 
first thing you'll notice about this show, like I did, is that it, on my anime list, it has 11 episodes. The other thing you'll notice is that the first episode is 45 minutes long. I did indeed notice that. Yeah, that's because, for whatever reason, Studio Nexus decided to mash episode 1 and 2 together into, like, a super episode 1. And when you take that into account, it evens out into 12 episodes. I can't explain to you why they did that. I guess it's because episode 1 flows so well into episode 2, and episode 2 is so necessary that they had to be the same episode. But it could have done without that. But in the in this first super episode... It does pretty well. It explains what the, the game is about, what the setting is about, and we meet our first, like, uh, anime-turned-sidekick, a la Jojo, in uh, Shuka Karino. And she she is a Saber clone. Let's be Yay! honest. And she, I love Saber clones. She is the one who kind of guides Sudo into being, and, and into not being, like, a hapless idiot getting killed like before he starts a bitch is what you mean yeah and throughout the whole show pseudo through his pacifistic tendencies and i want to be friends tendencies builds up a clan with uh, other people who try to kill him but then he changes their mind and say hey let's not kill each other so like mirai niki and butum you have main character and main girl character teaming up to fight everyone else and eventually they'll find people to join their team and it does a pretty good job of trying to make this world feel uh, filled in with different characters having uh, like being a part of the game to make the game feel more populated but the problem with this show is that a lot of the powers end up based around guns whether it's uh my gun is a superpower a la kaname sudo and and a few other side characters or it's their power ends up ha ends up being where a gun is the most effective way to use the power a la a, a character they meet later called rain Ka kashiwagi <laughs> Who is able? Kashiwagi. Yeah, who is able to see a few minutes into the future, and so uses a sniper rifle, and that's well and good until you see like minor characters who are just holding a gun, which is like shorthand for "this is my power and I'm dangerous." But you do have some characters that have like nice creative powers, like one who can control water and turn to ice, another one who can control chains and has blades on the end of those chains. So it's basically a tentacle monster. Ayo. Ooh, nice. But. But. You see, when I started this show, I thought it was going to be like the anime of the season, the one everyone's going to be talking about. I think I mentioned that in the preview. But yeah, you were very, you were, you had very high hopes for this. Yeah, because I had a very standard, very uh, by the numbers shown in format. Guy with girl with a clan, superpowers, phones, a PUBG style game. What's not mm. what's not to miss? 
And the problems really run into it during, like, uh, episode three and four, when they actually start the, uh, like, the new game type, the treasure hunt game type. And that was when it ran into Exposition Valley. This show spends so much time expositing information instead of just letting it happen. Like, there was one point where a, where Rain was expositing to Pseudo as to why it's a good option sometimes to run away from a fight instead of staying in fight. It's, it's just like, yes, I get it. I get the concept. Just show me some action. And the show does have some good fight scenes every now and then. Uh, there was a particular episode near the end where there were two good fight scenes, but it was cut in the middle by exposition. And it's so hindering of the of the flow and the enjoyment of the show. And you do have a we do have a main villain that comes around that you sort of revolve around. But the show lacks character characterization for other like other blocks of meat in the show. It feels very hollow. And the ending itself, I won't spoil, but I will say it was a bit unsatisfactory from uh, how everything was being built up. So it was basically a, there's more content to adapt ending. Yeah, this show is based from a manga, and that manga is ongoing, and that it definitely felt that way uh, through the treasure hunt. It's like, I thought... It was gonna. This game type was gonna last a couple episodes, and they would go on to another game type. But this formed the backbone of the show. And as it was going on, as I knew it was ending, I knew they were gonna to try to adapt uh, more of the manga into more seasons. And the show ends with that kind in mind, like a continued in season two. But it also has a safe ending where they could say well, it didn't do too well, so we'll just cut the show off. So it's kind of complete. Mm. There is a lot that could have happened in this show. And it was quite enjoyable. But compared to other battle anime I've seen, it has, it has a lot that was missing. If you enjoyed Miraniki and Batum... You may enjoy this one. It is like those shows, but it uh, misses a lot of marks that it could have made. Uh, it's mm. a it's a decent show to have on in the background, but I cannot honestly say I recommend it. That's and did, that's unfortunate. Yeah. Did you give yours a score? No, I only watched one episode. Oh, do you mean like I I invaded? Yeah, I didn't give it a score because I mean. You want to see my score, you can go on the website. I mean, I didn't give anything above a five. <laughs> it was all mediocre at best. Yeah. I, I got to give Darwin's Game a five because it was all right, but I will not want to watch it again. There were a lot of decisions that they made that are questionable from a production standpoint, like the aforementioned uh, ep uh, Super Episode 1. And there were... There were a couple episodes where they had after credit scenes, which I only noticed because the remaining time on the on the time bar was a lot longer than usual when the credits rolled. 
and some of the end credits scene have pertinent information that you would have to know going into the next episode. And that's very dangerous to do. It's not like a Marvel movie end credits scene where it's just a bonus scene or like, hey, here's character doing doing a doing a thing. He's eating shawarma. Or here's a character introducing the uh or teasing the next Marvel movie. No, this would be like if it would be like if at the end of the Avengers you have Thanos or someone coming in and say, "Hey, Thanos collected all the infin- collected some of the Infinity Stones," and then you go into the next movie with or without that in mind, and and boom, Thanos is there. <laughs> all right, all right. Yeah, I get your vibe. I get your vibe. I didn't want to watch it because. Episode one, I just said, this isn't going to be my show. This is basically two episodes in one. You've already ruined it by making me sit down for longer than I thought I'd have to. (laughs) So it was just a all-around disaster for me. I I don't recommend it. But if you want to watch it, then you can find Darwin's Game over on Funimation. They have a dub available, and it's pretty good. All right, so my next one is Smile Down the Runway, or Runway da Warate, which is based off a manga by Inoyo Kotaba, and it's by Studio Izola, who I did no research on because I didn't feel like it, and was directed <laughs> by a Mr. Nagayama Nobuyoshi, who also did directed Happy Sugar Life, Hey-o. and My Girlfriend is a Show Bitch. So obviously, high pedigree there. Indeed. But yeah, have you listened to the preview, which I'm assuming you did, I was really hyped on this show because it was a new concept. It was about runway models, and then it was not about runway models. It was about fashion designers, and I was so into it. I was like, it done flipped the script. I was excited. (laughs) I was excited. The main character, Ikuto, I was was really engaged in because he was kind of feminine, and I'm a little bit effeminate. A little bit. Hmm. And... The main girl, Chiyuki, I thought there was a nice dynamic between them because Chiyuki was kind of spoiled. She was she had an ambition, but she was really rude. And I liked that. I liked that there was a uh, there was a fun little dynamic between the two. And I was just interested in seeing that how this was going to turn out. How are they going to make fashion designs and runway modeling interesting? And it turns out that they wouldn't. So there you go. But don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. This show, I binged. I actually sat through the show and enjoyed every single minute of it. But then I was just, as I went further and further on, I was looking at the animation and I was just, this looks like Dookie. (laughs) This looks like Big Poo Poo Stinks. (laughs) And obviously, it's not a very action-heavy show. A lot of it is really drama-heavy, and I like dramas. And it's really interesting because Ikuto and Chiyuki, Chiyuki is sort of like the false... She's the false protagonist because the first episode, it seems like it's going to be a very runway model centric show. And then it just it's Ikuto all about his struggles with learning how to sew the problems that the industry faces. And it eventually leads off into a tournament arc of sorts. Really? And I was. Yeah, it was a fashion show tournament arc. I was just as an idiot who knows nothing about fashion. I was just like, is this how this works? (laughs) Because I don't think that's how it works, but I'm not sure because I don't know. And uh, it really, really just just kept going on and on. And I, 
I was intrigued in seeing what was going to happen. And Ikuto is a really likable character. And I had one of those big weeb moments when he was talking and I was just, who is this guy play? He plays someone. And then it turns out he was main boy from Demon Slayer. And I was like, oh, yeah, I can totally hear that. So that's kind of fun is play, playing spot that voice actor. Yeah. So uh, at least in the Japanese dub. So having watched this, do you, would you say you learned anything about the fashion industry? Not at all. <laughs> okay, so here's the thing is that they obviously say this at one point that fashion is subjective. And, you know, it is subjective. You know, no one can say that that person's got a better fashion unless they're just being an elitist and all that. Really and truly, it's something that you can't judge. Yeah. You can't judge. And it's like food wars, really and truly. Like, I can't taste the food. I don't know who's tasted it better because it's taste. Isn't that subjective, too? So a lot of the whole struggle, especially the tournament arc, I was just, I don't know who's doing better. I don't know who was doing well, and I don't know what if they were doing it right. Yeah. And honestly, I'm not going to spoil anything, but the person who I thought had the least chance of doing well got the victory and i was really pissed <laughs> and honestly just a lot of the characters were flat little cardboards if they weren't the main two and chiyuki when i first started watching i said she's so cool she's such a tsundere she's just being mean because she's got a drive and ambition and she's just but then the show went on and i was just kind of like man i hate chiyuki and by the end, when certain events arise, I was just, would you please shut up? Would you please shut up? Would you please go away? Ikuto's on the screen. So really, truly, I really liked Ikuto. He's probably not going to be a lot of people's bag because he does have that whole indecisiveness. He is very, he is very, uh, very, very milk toast. He doesn't do a whole lot except like to do fashion. Yeah. And but it's an interesting concept it's an interesting show and i think it does kind of in a way uh you know do sort of what the food wars the, the food wars uh, formula it makes something that you wouldn't expect to see in an anime an anime yeah and i i went in with really high hopes and by the end of it i was just like mm, that was okay i i liked it more i think i liked it the most out of all the shows that i watched but it still wasn't anything remarkable to where I can just say, yeah, that's going to be something I'll remember two seasons from now. I mean, I'm not going to. This is just what a lot of this sh these shows turned into. I'm not going to remember these at the end of the year yeah. when and if we do a yearly retrospective. I don't know if I'm going to have Smile Down the Runway on something that was important to me as an anime this season. So... Yeah, so it was just it just ended up doing a lot of things that I I wanted to see done better. The animation was okay. It wasn't it was passable, but it was kind of doo doo garbage, like I said. <laughs> and at the end of it, I I didn't feel any different. I was really invested to the last little tournament arc, and it just it all kind of fizzled away because I didn't care too much about the uh, any other character that wasn't Ikuto, and part of. Uh, I think part of a tournament arc is the villain has to be the main bad guy has to be someone you want to see lose. And maybe that was their intent because the main villain was someone who I also kind of, I understood his reasoning and I kind of wanted him to win too, because he seemed like a nice guy and I understood his motivations, Yeah, but it wasn't like, it's just, it just wasn't something that I was really 
at the end of the day, it wasn't something that I was really digging too deep into. Now, if there was a second season, I'm not going to lie, I'd I'd watch it. Hmm. But just with the way things ended and just from some of the performance I've heard of the show doing, I don't think there's going to be a second season, which kind of sucks because out of these five shows that I watched, it was probably my favorite. Wow, that's, and I, that's saying a lot about the other shows. Yeah, and I... So I'd recommend it to go watch it if you're interested in fashion, if you just want a interesting little drama shonen, because I think it does classify itself as shonen, which caught me off guard. But it is it's really interesting. And I did actually enjoy seeing what the artists pulled out for the designers pulled out for their clothes. Yeah. So yeah, that's Smile Down the Runway, and if you want to watch it, it's on Funimation. Nice. You should go watch it. You should go watch it. Try try it out. I give it a try it out. Try it out. Okay. Well, now that I'm through with Darwin's game, I uh the rest of my shows I'm not going to complain about too much because I actually enjoyed them. And Oh. <laughs> aren't we the fortunate one? Yeah, I feel so sorry for you, Matt. All your shows are from what you've told me have been uh not too enjoyable. <laughs> well, I think I think as a uh, as a regular as a regular seasonal engager, uh, <laughs> I think maybe I'm a bit I'm a bit uh I'm a bit jaded. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's definitely something that has to do with it. But yeah, just get do do your thing. So my next show is Toilet Bound Hanako Kun, which initially. I did look at and I sort of put it on my short list and then took it off because it wasn't too engaging. However, my roommate showed it to me and I really loved the first three episodes. And what drew me in was the art style. Oh my god, the art style was so cute and gorgeous. And I don't, I can't put my finger on what makes it that way. I have to suspect it's the, the use of thick black outlines on the characters as well as like the color and shading how they're so vibrant and i i think there's like an orange tint to all the colors that make it feel not just more daylight but more like mystical and the use of texturing that they put on all the flat colors especially the shaded parts which make the characters feel less less flat and kind of make them pop more and that kind of works well towards the premise of the show, because you have, well, which is about our high school girl, Nene Yashiro, who, go, who goes to this high school that has a rumor about an abandoned girl's bathroom on the third floor, where if you knock on the door three times and say the name of the ghost, Hanako-kun, Hanako-kun, then you will say you will summon a ghost who will grant you a wish, at a pr- any wish at any price, and so she goes to f- have her wish fulfilled of having her senpai crush fall in love with her, and initially Hanako Kun helps with uh, low brow low low barrel stuff like a, a book of love or a. Just uh, just stuff you would see on, like, BuzzFeed, like, top ten ways to get your crush to fall in love with you. 
like sending a love note or giving him a gift of some flowers and whatnot. None of them work. And then Yashiro goes and takes a type of love potion that Hanako has repeatedly told her not to do. She becomes cursed and turned into a fish and then is saved by Hanako-kun uh, with one exception that Yashiro has to be Hanako's assistant. And so after this first episode we have Yashiro being a type of priestess exorcist assistant to Hanako-kun and has to help him to uh, keep all the other high school ghosts from harming the students. And from that, we have a, it's very a very delightful event, like a a very delightful environment of this school with so many like spirits born from rumors, and I doubt any of us have had that kind of experience where we have the rumors in our schools, like ooh spooky ghosts. But I'm sure it's quite common in Japan. But all these, all the ghosts have a very schoolyard feel. Like a tree, a magic tree that if you confess to your crush under it, then you will surely fall in love. Or a stairway where if you step on the fourth step, then you'll die. And various legends like that. And we get a look at the society of school goes like it's not just like ooh spooky demons it's these are characters in their own right and they have their own history and backstories of why they're ghosts and why they haunt the way they haunt and we as they go along we see this relationship forming between Hanako-kun and the spirits as well as between him and his assistant Yashiro who has learned that uh no guy could really like her so she's kind of given up on that, even though she still has her hopes and wishes that, ooh, maybe class president son will like me. But you see this very playful relationship between the two sort of develop, and a kind of will they, won't they. And like many love anime, there's a lot of miscommunication, but whereas most of those will have it where, oh, they don't talk to each other like any sane couple would. You have a failure of communication based on the part of Hanako-kun's personality about his his uh like brutish ignorance and overly playfulness to where he sends mixed signals kind of on purpose and just kind of toys around almost too far and it's very delightful just to see how just to see how their relationship like evolves between all the and all the different spirits that they have to like combat they encounter very early on another character Minamoto Ko who is a a who is a exorcist from a long line of exorcists and originally he tasked himself with exercising all the ghosts in the school, including Hanako-kun. But as all three of them uh, hang out and journey and face all these trials of the ghosts, they all start to take the 
try the tactic of rehabilitating ghosts instead of just exercising them. Um. And you and seeing the changes from like evil spirits and like hardened spiritual leader uh go into a more like go into a softer approach it's very it's very delightful hmm this show is a could be considered a romantic comedy and it has romance bits comedy bits and bits where it's both like comedy around the romance and romance around the comedy and the comedy is just so fresh like it it feels very natural and the animation does very well to kind of like hammer in like certain visual gags uh the the animation by the way is by studio lurche if that's how it's pronounced who also worked on various assassination classroom various monster monster musume and ver and uh various Donkey Rompa three. Ooh. So if you're familiar with those shows, you should be familiar with this one. Cool, cause Donkey Rompa three sucked. Ooh. Yeah, I'm here Maybe. to make the hot takes. <laughs> I'm not familiar with Donkey Rompa. I like the art style, and that's about it. Okay, that actually that's a solid review right there. That actually yeah. makes me kind of want to watch it. It uh it got very good. On, on throughout but the ending was so uplifting and so well that it increases it alone increases score by one point what a powerful ending so i would yeah i do recommend this show i give it an eight and i do recommend it mm. and if you if you find it you can find it on funimation hmm you know what? I might actually watch that if I have some uh some down anime time. You should. I it's 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 so sweet. It's a it's a sugar anime. Oh well, I got a sugar anime for you too. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I actually, actually, I do, I do like this anime. It, it, it's also. It's probably the best anime I had lined up, but just in case you wanted to know what that anime was, I'm going to have to pull up the English name because it's one of those stupid long ones. Uh, it's this one. It's this one. It's based off a light novel, obviously, and it is, I don't want to get hurt, so I'll max out my defense, or Beauforty, or if you are a big old weeaboo, <laughs> like myself, you're going to try to pronounce the Japanese name, which is Itai no Yona no De Bogyo Yoku Ni Kyokufuri Shitai to Omaimasu. There we go. You certainly got there. I got to that ending. Thank you, everybody who helped me to get here. So, Beauforty, which is by Studio Silverlink, who did Bach and Test, Chivalry of a Failed Knight, and my personal favorite work that they've done, A Sister's All You Need. And that's based off a light novel. Like I said, you can tell by the name that basically gives a synopsis mm -hmm. in the title. And it's about this girl named... I don't remember her actual name, but she goes by the username Mabel. And Mabel just, she doesn't like being hurt. So she puts, she goes, joins this RPG MMO, VR MMO, of course, because this is anime. 
mm-hmm. and her friend Sally says, "Hey, you should play it, but I'm grounded, so you'll have to start without me." And Maple says, "Okay." And when she goes to play, she says, "I don't like being hurt, so I'm going to put all my de- points in defense." And she puts so many points in her defense that she can't move properly. She moves <laughs> very sluggishly and she struggles to do almost everything. But because this is an anime about, you know, a BRMMO, Mabel quickly discovers that she has a OP attack after mm-hmm. she encounters this dragon and eats it. And I'm not talking about, like, she uses an ability to eat it. No, she, because she has no attack, she bites it and chews on it until it dies. And she is granted with an ability. And it basically just goes on from there. It's your typical formula. Mabel tries to build up her guild, tries to just tries to get the high top rankings and the guild activities and the competitions they have where she remains OP, constantly reaching at least third place in the competitions. And uh, I wanted to shit on this show, actually, but the more I reflect on it, the more I kind of smile. <laughs> because it was just so ridiculous it was yeah. such a fun romp i went into it because i it was a vr mmo and i thought you know it's a lot of cute girls i like cute anime girls and i thought that there'd be a lot of uh you know there'd be a lot of life like a lot of uh observations about the world outside of the vr mmo like maybe maple maple would have to you know deal with game time you know like she's got to balance school and game but that's not true because the game literally at one point says something along the lines of like, hey, isn't it cool that like six hours here is one hour in real life? And I was just dumbfounded because I yeah. think at some point the I was like, are they playing an actual game? Because one character gets severely hurt and they say she's got to rest and take a nap. And I said, yeah, why can't she? I mean, I don't maybe so Bofuri's playing kind of fast and loose with the rules that it tries to implement in its VR MMO and that's not the worst thing in the world there's a lot of cute girls I mean like the main cast is like 90% cute girl you got mm-hmm. Maple you got Sally you got Iz you got Kanade you got Mei and Yui and you got my personal favorite Kasumi who is basically a samurai and it's all they're all really cute. And then there's the token guy. He's there. <laughs> I can't even remember his name, but he's he's a great shielder like like Maple. Who uh yeah, Maple's a great shielder. I'm kinda getting a little bit off tangent, but it's all about their typical VR MMO experiences. Maple goes on quests to grind. They unlock more and more floors almost in a sword art online fashion. And like I said earlier, they participate in guild activities when Maple finally does achieve amassing a guild and its members and it's really fun it's really cute i i wanted to say all my shows are mediocre but i just reflect on this show and it was a lot of fun (laughs) it it, it was fun don't get me wrong i wasn't there were several episodes where i was just un i wasn't i wasn't particularly there was anything remarkable going on, but the first three episodes were so cute and so just an just they were delight to watch. And I know there's a lot of CG animation during the fights, but they looked really amazing, and I enjoyed watching them. And this was definitely, I think, one of the one of the hits of the season, maybe 
because it already got a second season approved. <laughs> the ending, the ending is basically her shield doubling into two in the title logo, and I said, "Oh, well, this figures." <laughs> Just give it enough season, and and Maple will become the full armor Gundam guy. My guy. Yeah. yeah. My guy. Yeah. She becomes a robot in the show. <laughs> like, this isn't a spoiler, I feel, but she uh, she does a quest and basically becomes one of those Azure Lane mechas mm-hmm. or mechs. <laughs> and I was just, this was at the point where I was just, let's just see. I was just going like, well, Beauforty, I'm at attention. <laughs> she gets so many OP abilities. It's unreal. I every fight she was in, I was just let's just let Maple win already, guys. Let's not can fool ourselves <laughs> that Maple's gonna lose. And that is kind of something that did great on me. And I guess that's why I have such low esteem for the show looking back because some of the dialogue was, "Is it Maple amazing? Yeah, Maple's the best. <laughs> you can always count on Maple. If Maple's involved, something weird's gotta happen." And I was just stop sucking Maple's dick. <laughs> and that's basically what I was just kind of getting annoyed with because Maple's so ditzy and lightheaded. It's never like a Kirito thing where it's she's got no personality, but she's just letting things happen to her around her. Yeah. And she's just wasting people en masse. There's never a moment where I was... L- well, there was one moment where I was like, does Maple not have this? But then she said, oh, yeah, that's right. I'm Maple and OP is shit. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot about that ability, too. And uh, it's really good. It's actually really good. It was a, uh, it was good. It's a good show. It was really light and fun. It was uh, definitely the kind of show you could put on in the background. You know, I don't like the dub too much, but that's mostly because half the dialogue is ah, Maple's so amazing. <laughs> Maple, no. But there's a lot of fun performances in there to be had. Um, like I said, you like cute girls. Beauforty got you hooked up. Pick your best girl now. It's Kasumi, Kasumi, by the way, but, you know, pick your wrong answer. Vote now with your phones. Well, and the and the tallies reveal it's Kasumi. Aw, just like I knew she would win. <laughs> Actually, Kasumi is pretty, I like Kasumi. I also like Sally. Sally's cute, too. They're all cute in their own way. Even you Token, like them all. Even Token Guy is cute because his only ability is to die. <laughs> yeah, there's literally a point where he's like, it's like, you've gotten this ability because you die so much. <laughs> oh, that reminds me. Complete world. There was a complete world break immersion. Uh, the immersion was broken for me from this being an actual MMO. Because at one point, they go to a guild hall to check to see what roles are needed. And uh-huh. it says something like, we need a DPS. And I was like, shit, fam, this must not be an MMO. Everybody's playing DPS. Because they're like, we need DPS. I guess people just want, don't want to play DPS. Bitch, everybody wants to play DPS. I play DPS. I don't want to be a tank. I like being tank. Yeah, okay. <laughs> what, are you, what are you about to say? I bet you would. Yeah, because... But anyways, yeah. And it's still still good show. Still a good show. I recommend it. It has got cute girls doing cute stuff cutely. And it is, you know, a VR MMO anime. And we've got plenty of those. I mean, 
I infinite dendrogram another anime from the season <laughs> reared its head and said hi i'm a vrmmo sh- anime too and i said i've only got i've only got room in this car enough for one <laughs> so i kicked it out of the car on episode zero Oof. yeah i'm sorry guys but yep that is Beauforty. you want to watch it go to funimation I definitely recommend it. You just want a light show. Very cute. Very cute. And it does have some really satisfying action scenes. And also, she names her turtle Syrup, and she's named Maple. Yeah, that's, that's funny, isn't it? That's cute. And I love turtles, so you got a turtle in your show. That's an automatic point up for me. Okay, I'm I'm done. I'm done. Okay. Well, my next anime to review, put it up on the chopping block, is... Hosekisho Richard Shi no Nazukante. What the fuck is that? The Case Files of Jeweler Richard. Oh. Produced by Studio Shuka, who is not known for a lot, but is known for 91 Days and all of its uh, accessories, and a lot of, of Durarara X2. Ooh, I like Durarara and 91 Days. Yeah, so you might like this one. It Maybe. Is based, it is based on a light novel from 2015 by Nanako Sujimura, which was also adapted into a manga last year. Oh. And it is similar to Food Wars and Smile Down the Runway, in that it's one of those niche shows where it takes something that you would never particularly be interested in, and it makes you interested in it. In this case, Gemstones. So, we start out with our guy, Nakata Seigi, who visits a... who takes a ring from his grandmother, who recently passed away. And with the story that she has told him about how she stole the ring and has carried the grief with her ever since, he goes to have it appraised at a local jeweler, where he meets Richard Ranhashinha de Volpian, a man of English and French descent. No, really. <laughs> so he has it appraised, and he tells the story. And Richard was, became so enamored with the ring, the story, and Zagi himself I that bet. he that he went out of his way to discover the original owner of the ring. And he has Zagi meet the original owner. And we had a story revealed about how her, the ring being stolen actually improved her life and made her like open up opportunities that made her have a happier life. And so Sega goes home, keeping the ring with him instead of selling it, and can feel that his grandmother's spirit can be can finally be laid to rest. And since then has decided that he wants to help Richard in his uh, in his store, so he becomes a part-time employee. And so Richard and Segi, uh, from then on, would have customers come in. They would uh, either try to sell gemstones or try to buy gemstones. And it would be a purview of the personal story that each person has that revolves around the gemstone that they're trying to get whether it's the fact they're trying to get one or a particular gemstone like whether it's garnet versus a ruby or sapphire 
I love Steven Universe. <laughs> and Seiki, with his personality of being a champion of justice, wants to help the people around him to uh, and to to relieve their inner tor- turmoil. And it is a episodic show with each one being not too interconnected. Uh, you'll have a new character come in, have their personal struggle, and Seiki and Richard solving it and help it, and having it end on a very feel-good note. And it's a very feel-good show. Uh, the towards the halfway mark, we start getting into a like arc plot where it starts to delve into the more cutthroat and more the more cutthroat aspects of the diamond of the jewelry industry and there was one particular part which i enjoyed where segi was asking the question huh why do engagement rings usually have diamonds and I was just waiting for it. I was waiting for it, and we finally got to it. A character said, "Well, that's because only one company owns, uh, uh, owns and controls the diamonds, and because of the mar- of marketing, that they made people believe that diamonds are the the engagement ring stone." And thank you for coming to the uh, anti-capitalism podcast. We're going to talk about how uh, monopolization of resources and guerrilla marketing can lead to an unnecessary. Uh, economic incentive for purchasing diamonds oh and how my. artificial scarcity is the bane of all existence oh my so, god we've turned into the socialism <laughs> podcast so back in 1893 <laughs> if you're not going to stop me i'm going to keep going oh uh, so just cut this mic this has been the otaku melancholy podcast and uh uh I didn't plan this far ahead. Let's just fix Brad a little bit, take out his communism chip, and make him enjoy capitalism? Okay. All right. So, so there's a lot of... A lot of the episodes kind of rev- revolve around the history and the, like, rumors and lore around gemstones. Like, not only their like histo- the historical names how they were introduced into like one culture or the next like how turquoise turquoise got its name from being found from turkey and it was important to to french which was where it got the name turquoise to describe where that it came from turkey then it was transferred over into english where the name became uh, turquoise so, and that's it's little facts like that that kind of get really get your attention because never once in my life did I ever question the name turquoise. I just thought that was how it was. Yeah, I mean, I thought that was just it was named after the color. Wow. Yeah. And you have stories like that as well as like aquamarine and lapis lazuli, which also which is also also has the name ultramarine, which means beyond the ocean, which describes how. It was imported from, from the like the other, like beyond a sea or ocean, and that was where it got the name. And you have all these aspects talking about the hardness scale, cuts and carrots, 
the names of the jewels as well as the like the uh beliefs that go into certain gems like some like how garnet was a gem of good fortune in the roman empire how soldiers would carry garnet with them and use it and use it to pray before battle and so it was a associated with a strong will and determination and they play all of these factors into the personal stories of the people that come with it and towards the end we get into the main plot where Richard himself has a troublesome inheritance that he has to deal with and it was it is through this story that we see the building relationship between Richard and Seiyi come to fruition and not to get into heavy not to get into spoilers too much but from like episode one there have been some heavy yaoi undertones mm. which towards episode three I thought was was a uh, kind of dashed and just me reading too much into it or maybe mm-hmm. the show itself putting a red herring but <laughs> as the show progresses it gets more and more like overt like it becomes less overtone undertones and more tones Ooh. and it gets to the point where the show itself is kind of playing with that and it gets kind of meta and it does play a part into this inheritance story and what sells this show for me is that the main story kind of ends around episode 10. And then for episodes 11 and 12, we examine some of the personal ish, uh, turmoils for Richard and Seiji and how they come into their own conclusions. And it's very, very, and it's very, very, like, it's a chill show. It's a chill and enjoyable show. It's not one that you could put on the background, but it's one you could put on if you have like a rough day and you just want to watch something that's not going to hurt your head. Uh, something that you can watch an episode of and feel better when you're done. It's a, it is something that I can recommend that you watch. I give it a 7. And if you want to watch it, you can watch it on Verve via Crunchyroll. Nice. Nice. Well, that sounds like a pleasant, fun time. Yeah. What about you? Uh, this entire this entire review is gonna be me looking the fool over and over <laughs> again. It's gonna be like the. Uh, it's gonna be like the uh, drama f- mass. I'll be the happy, smiling one. You'll be the miserable one. It's like, ugh. I got I these like- shows. I feel like I'm being elitist, though, like, because I'm like, I get that people like it, but I just... So, my next show is Kyoko Subi, or Inspector, which is based off a manga by Katase Shashiba in Shirodaira Kyo, and it is done by Brainspace, who we actually talked about on our... Uh, on our Quiz Bowl episode... Which, nice. yeah, we talked about that a big bit, bit a little bit. And director was Kaiji Goto, and he's just an assassination classroom. That's the only thing I thought that was of any importance. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if you do recall the preview episode, I was saying something about how Kotoko healed my wounds 
and is the best girl and is an absolute cutie. And I... She is a cutie, but my soul has been da- damaged by her. Yeah, I remember looking at her as uh, Cameron set her as his profile pic. And I was like, wow, she is really cute. And as I found more images of her, I'm like, wow, she is really cute. I want to watch this show now. And it was only you who convinced me to not watch it. Okay, so a brief summary is the main character, Kotoko, is a goddess of wisdom. She had her eye and her leg removed so that she could become this goddess of wisdom. And one day, she's at the hospital doing hospital things, and she runs into uh, Kuro, Kuro Sakuragawa, who has been damaged because he has consumed two types of yokai, yokai flesh. And he can see yokai just like Kotoko can see can see yokai and the first few episodes are basically mysteries uh where they are trying to figure out what is going wrong with the yokai world and how they're going to you know fix it and i'm not the biggest yokai fan unless we're talking about yokai watches love that game (laughs) but and i was just staying invested in it because i wanted to see what kind of powers that kuro had and i wanted to see more of kotoko because she is cute and I mean, there was that meme that was going around for a bit where she was getting punched in the face, which made me absolutely laugh oh, but when it really? occurred. Yeah, there's a scene where her and Kuro's uh, ex-fiance encounter each other, and Kotoko's being kind of an annoying shit, as she does sometimes, and she gets punched in the face, and it ends the episode with that, like, before it even hits her in the face, nice. and it made me legitimately laugh. But Kotoko is an absolute cutie, and it's as a goddess of wisdom, like I said, she was a she's responsible for helping matters in the yokai world, and she's basically she's supposed to be really smart and really devious, and she kind of is. And uh, so the first couple of episodes are basically about them solving yokai problems, <laughs> and then it takes an overarching plot of trying to solve the mystery of Steel Lady Nanase who is a dead pop star who has come back to life somehow as a yokai and is murdering people with a steel beam. Hmm. And I am going to just break into my obvious... (sighs) So the flavor image, basically the PV, you know, the image that you see when you look at the show on Crunchyroll or any sort of show like that has Steel Lady Nanase and she has some massive opi <laughs> and i was just like i was just translator's note opi means tits it means breasts or boobs i don't like i don't like that word <laughs> you don't like tits i do not sir so i saw that and i said well you're making me make another decision once again penis <laughs> and i looked at kotoko and i said she too is cute let's dive on in and early on, I was really intrigued by some of the mysteries. I thought they were going to be, you know, the second one in particular involving the water snake yokai was really intriguing. Yeah. But as the show went on, I just realized something about this uh, this anime, and it is so talky. It is the most talky anime I have ever watched. Yeah. Everybody... 
is talking about the plan and about how things work and about the relationship with someone else and about what is going on. And it's just talking and talking and dialogue after dialogue. Yeah, it was that detail that you told me that after having just come off Darwin's game made me say, nah, I'm good. Thank you. Yeah. And I was getting really bored watching it and I I struggle I can see why people would like this show like I can kind of see it Kotoko is really cute and that's how I can see that they would like this show because she just, she's just so cute but that yeah. doesn't propel an anime to be interesting for me like the mystery behind steel lady nanase is really intriguing and i'm not going to spoil anything for you but i don't feel like it really paid off exactly like i wanted it to i guess maybe i wanted some more twists and turns to the ending and there is definitely it's definitely intriguing especially involving kuros powers that it turns out that he has i thought that was a really nice deviation from what i thought was gonna happen but it basically turned into kind of almost a rehash of re-zero in a way Hmm. uh and i wasn't fully i just wasn't i just wasn't engaged with the mystery the more it unraveled and i think that's kind of a sign of a, a an unappealing anime or anything for me is when more of your your story is being stripped away more of the layers of mystery are being stripped away and i'm saying i'm not exactly intrigued and i stuck around for the end i would have watched this normally don't get me wrong i'm just just because i'm reviewing it doesn't mean i would have i i wouldn't have dropped it because i was just interested in seeing how everything played out and when it got to the final arc or the final battle with steel lady nanase which basically turned into kotako um trolling a message board to (laughs) defeat yeah i mean she was basically just on a message board trying to dispel rumors and i thought that was a really interesting way to end things because it, it had such great concepts there were such great concepts in this anime like the relationship that Kuro was having with his ex-fiance when she was brought into the picture, just the nature of rumors when it concerns, you know, how they affect our opinion of urban legends. I thought that was really interesting and too. Yeah. And I thought Kotoko, her goddess of wisdom powers would eventually pay off, but it eventually just kind of turned into a, the, the ending just basically turned into I've outsmarted you're outsmarting and Eric <laughs> and it wasn't in an intriguing way like Death Note or anything of the sort to me to me but I didn't really when it all was said and done I just said yeah I might remember this later on but it's mostly just going to be because Kotoko was so darn cute and not because anything of the actual anime made content I wanted to see yeah so I don't think it's it's got great it's a quality s rank waifu and kotoko there but outside of that the rest of it's just meandering talking that doesn't really intrigue me Hmm. but if you're into yokai if you're into mysteries i wholeheartedly recommend you check this out uh and if you like cute girls cute little waifus yeah go right in because kotoko is gonna fill you up and also there's some really solid uh it's really solid animation in certain points. And if you like the uh, 
And if you like the Opie, well, there's still Lady Nanase, so it's the full package. Too bad that the package was delivered by the U.S. Postal Service because it got here in pieces. I like the U.S. Postal Service. Yo, like you don't. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> you like UPS like the rest of us. Hey, UPS is okay. Fuck FedEx, though. Yeah, okay, yeah, it's the FedEx. The package, full package, just delivered to us by FedEx. So the pieces were broken, and I couldn't assemble them back into the gunpla I ordered. Yeah. And uh, check it out. You can find it on Crunchyroll. It is a Crunchyroll original. Uh, what does that mean? I think it means that there might be another season, which I'll definitely check out because the ending, the ending did have me wanting more. It wanted me to see more of what these uh. What was going to happen next after the end of the current of the arc? So I'm hoping for a second season just to see what the show will become. I have high hopes just for that, just for how everything kind of ended. So, yeah. Oh, one more thing. And you, one more thing. I don't know if it's just me. I was giving this anime 100% of my attention, but several points I was just dumbfounded. Did I miss an episode? What is happening? I don't understand when these events transpired, and I don't know if it was just me looking away for a split second that contributed to that, but there is some cohesion issues, or I feel like there is. Oh, yeah? Yep. It definitely needs a further inspection. (laughs) (laughs) I've been mad, and this is... I've been Matt, and this has been my stand-up comedy hour. You can catch me on the road because my car is broken down. And I'm done. I'm getting off the stage. Okay. Well, I'm getting on Shit, the stage. I tripped. Huh? I tripped. I tripped. I'm sorry. You know what? You Ow. get what you fucking deserve. <laughs> know your place, Bam. trash. <laughs> But anyways, I'm going to get on the stage and tell you all about a little show called Somali and the Forest Spirit, which I did not talk about in the preview uh, because I didn't pick it for the preview. I picked, I think, another show, but I replaced it with either I replaced it with Somali and the Forest Spirits because that other show was interesting. In fact, I can't even remember what it was. Or I think what actually happened, I picked it up. Because I realized Matt had five shows to review and I only had four. So I, I, so I just got this. Wow. But it is a show. Ooh. <laughs> wow. Claps. <laughs> but it is based on a manga from 2015 by Gureishi Yako. And it is animated by Studio Satellite, who also did Fairy Tale. Log Horizon, and Helsing Ultimate, although I cannot really say it is anything like those other shows. It is very calm and journeyistic, kind of similar to Kino's Journey, if you've seen that one. I have. Nice. Well, Somali in the Forest Spirit revolves around a young girl lost in the forest, whose name is Somali, and a golem, who is the Forest Spirit. There you go. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. Alrighty, neato burrito. So, the golem, whose name is only Golem, or as Somali calls him, Otosan! Hmm. Uh, he, like all other golems, has a thousand year lifespan, and he has spent most of those years protecting the forest, making sure that 
all the animals and plants are protected, and that no outside forces interfere with it. One day, he discovers a young child separated from a slave caravan, and he adopts the child and names her Somali, based on the animal that helps him find her. So, towards, it is towards the end of his life, and he only has about, he has less than two years before his life ends, and he decides to take Somali to go find other humans and leave her with them, because once he dies, he knows that there is no way Somali will be able to survive on her own. So he carries her disguised as a minotaur, as a baby minotaur, tra uh, traveling through a world of beastmen and monsters, a world where a great war broke out between monsters and humans, in which humans lost, and have not yet been driven to extinction but are being hunted down at every opportunity to either be slaves or meat. So the golem acts as a father figure to protect and guide Somali, to keep her from being in danger. And as they travel, they encounter companions uh, from different walks of life in this monster world. Some are just making a living being herbalists and medicine men. Some are just uh, restaurant owners, but they all have their different attitudes towards humans. And some of them have their attitudes changed when they discover that Somali is in fact a human, and some do not. And we, as a journey, we get this overview of what this world is like, this world that hates humans, what they do to humans, how they react around Somali. And we get a we get a view of how the world became the way it is and how it was the fault of certain character actions and the ramifications of that we get a lot of aspects through the show reminding us of the golem's short lifespan and seeing his relationship with a Somali bud into changing him from being just a solemn protector into being an actual caring father figure. And it is, and we see Somali not just being static, but we see her being starting from a carefree, like explorative, curious mind to someone who really truly cares about his, uh, uh, her father figure golem. And trying to be more careful, more caring, more responsible in all aspects. Just in general, it's a very, very aesthetic show. There's a lot of, it's not just like monster people you would see from like Dungeons and Dragons or the Monster Girl Encyclopedia. It's a lot of, like, fae inspiration. And if you're not familiar, it's just fairy type and, like, very, very light and mystical. There's not really much I could say about it beyond the ending, and even that would get into spoilers. But all I can say is that it's very enjoyable, with a few criticisms. There's a certain flashback scene towards the middle, which I feel 
they might could have used at the very beginning as episode one and it would help to see help it would set up a different starting point for seeing the golem and Somali's relationship grow and the ending itself I feel could have ended on a more poignant note instead they extend it to where it still it ends effectively the same but there's a lot of fluff that I feel personally could have been uh, was a bit on it was a bit unnecessary mm. overall though I do give this a recommendation is a uh, it's a very chill show uh, it's something you can snuggle up under a blanket and watch a couple episodes uh, overall I score this a 7 and if you want to watch it yourself you can view it on Verve uh, via Crunchyroll it does have a dub currently. At the time of this recording, the dub is still coming out for episodes. But personally, I don't recommend it. The uh, dub for the young girl Somali uh, sounds a bit too old and too, like, by the numbers. And the voice for the golem also sounds a bit too robotic. Which, he's a golem, so you would think that's, that would be the point, but... Compared to the sub version, the sub voices, the Japanese voice actors, I would go with that version. Hmm. Well, all right. That was Somali in the Forest Pirates. <laughs> I already made that joke when I was watching. It's like, what if Somali grows up and becomes a pirate? Uh-huh. <laughs> That's a hearty, hearty chuckle. A hearty yar har har. A har har har. <laughs> Mm, and that's just one piece of your review. I'm going to be king of the forest spirits. Alrighty then. Let's wrap that up and go on to my final show, and which is probably my least favorite. Mm-hmm. And that is... Let me just whip out my Japanese translator. All right. And that is... Majutsushi Orphan Hagure Tabi. Or sorceress stabber orphan. Oh, so it's about an, a kid with no parents who stabs sorcerers. <laughs> uh, the first five hundred times you made that joke, it wasn't funny. But now at the five hundred and first, I can laugh because I'm so fucking tired of this show. Yeah, I knew my perseverance would pay off. It really did. But yeah, it's based off a light novel, and it's a remake of an older anime that uh, I have experience in. I watched the original Orphan, or at least part of it, and I really liked it. I cannot share the same sentiments, because this was done by Studio Dean. Nice. Your favorite studio. I know. I know. And it was directed by Hamana Takayuki, who also directed Appleseed 13, which is actually good, so I wonder why he's here. (laughs) <laughs> all right so like uh, stop me if you heard this before i've heard it before okay all right thank you so sorcerer in training has his his sister leaves because she becomes a dragon and he uh-huh. says oh that's my sister i'm gonna go save her so he leaves magic school and goes on an adventure to save his sister, who is a dragon. Yeah. And that's Orphan. Huh. Of course, by episode three, 
uh, the tides have turned because uh, I don't care about this show, and you shouldn't either. Uh, Orphans, it turns out his sister was a dragon, but she's actually not a dragon. She was actually somebody else because she played... She she played everybody. So he's it's just been a fool's errand this entire time. And after that, Orphan collects his obligatory... His obligatory party as they head out and do some adventuring. His party includes Magic. His name is actually Magic. And it's spelled M A J I J I Z. M A J I C. Cleo. I can't remember her name. It was in Japanese. Magic. Her name. And her pet dragon, which is actually a wolf. And I'm going to be honest, this show sucked so bad. Mm. Like, I loved, or I didn't love the original Orphan. I liked the original Orphan enough to buy the DVDs at Second and Charles when I saw they were there. And not watch them because I am lazy. But the yeah. original Orphan was, from my memory, and I could be looking at this with rose-tinted glasses, was a fun little romp. And it just reeked of that old anime stylings that was just timeless you know and i mean it's like nonnies this show is a remake of that and it is a failure in every single way mm. i the animation is awful the fight scenes don't aren't particularly engaging and i think orphan i don't think that orphan stands the test of time because it's something that we've seen to death you know he announces his magical attacks. He is kind of... He does have that sort of 90s, 90s uh, vibe. He has a headband on. Mm-hmm. He's got a sick necklace. And he's kind of... Uh, it's got a lot of that old anime really aesthetics for me because there are moments of comical effect mixed in with moments of severe intensity and there are specifically dedicated gag characters who do nothing to accomplish but be the humor. Mm-hmm. So it's it's just rehashing a lot of things, but now it's done by Studio Dean, so it's even worse. Ooh. And I wanted I wanted this show. I wanted to stop being so discriminatory towards Studio Dean <laughs> and for this show to actually be good. Like, don't get me wrong. I wanted it to be because I do remember liking the original Orphan. <sighs> but I was so bored. And I... Th- I think there's a lot of things that just kept on irking me. One of the things being that for some weird reason, Orphan's horse and carriage are consistently in CG. In the opener, in the closer, in the actual show. Yeah. They're CG. Mm. And it's so blatantly obvious. It's just reeking of, hey, this has got an anniversary. Let's capitalize on that by making an anime that nobody wants. Because if I want the original Orphan, I'll go watch the original Orphan. And it'll be better because it's not directed by Studio Dean. <laughs> so, yeah. I, I But don't get me wrong. There's a good show here. It's just the original Orphan which is what I feel like you should watch. And maybe this is just me not really telling you much about the show, but I cannot stress how hard enough that this show does not need to exist. Yeah. It's, it's a, there are fun concepts in there. It's, 
the magic of the Tower of Fangs, there's a lot of cool designs and set piece moments, like the magical circles and all that are so cool. And they're like, but at this point, we've seen the show a lot. Maybe we've seen it as an isekai. Maybe we've seen it as a legitimate down-to-earth fantasy. But we've seen it as Orphan, the original series. And it was good back then. And it's translated into a useless pile of shit show that I don't recommend you watch. If you like the original Orphan, please don't watch this because this is going to leave a bad taste in your mouth. It is dreck. It is awful. I am... I struggled to finish it, and I made me want to watch the original Orphan. So if this was just a long, ad, long game advertisement for a re-release of the original show, then hell, guys, you did great. I want to watch the original show now. So yeah, absolute crap. I do not recommend it. Uh, do you want to know what my score for is this? What my score is for this show? Please tell me. It's a two. Oh, damn. Boof. Oh my god, sounding alarm! Woo! I think that's lower than my lowest show. I hated Orphan, yo, because wow. it, it represented something that I actually like, but done badly, and it was done by a studio that I don't like. And it had characters I like looking like turds, because the animation just looks so... It just doesn't look good, man. It doesn't look good, it doesn't pay... It doesn't do what the original Orphan did so well in making a fun fantasy narrative. I, It feels rushed in a lot of places. It just doesn't do anything spectacularly well, but it is a remake of something good, so it at least gets a point for that. And that's why it's got a two. Would you say it's Animisery worthy? Yeah. Damn. All right, we have I our next Animisery, I guess. Yeah, this is Anna Misery worthy. This is something that it just makes me want to watch the original Orphan. I cannot stress this enough. I just want to watch the original Orphan, and I don't want this thing to exist anymore. Mm -hmm. And if you like it and enjoyed it, then I'm happy for you. But I think that if you're enjoying this as an original piece of content, then just go watch the original. It's handled so much better. It looks better. The characters are more fleshed out. So just go watch the original Orphan if you like this. And that's the end of my rant. <laughs> I'm just so mad about this show because I, if, if I was excited for this when it went in and on episode three, I was like, oh, we're moving kind of fast, but it's orphan. And I like that. Uh, it's still something I like, but at the end of everything, I just, I just hated it. Mm. It was, if, if I had not assigned myself this show, I would have dropped it on episode like six. Ooh. And I would have gone and watched something else. I would have watched Odo. I would have watched the doggy show that was about Japanese warlords. <laughs> I would have watched anything else. I should have. I remember saying, oh, maybe I should watch Somali instead of this. And I said, nah, nah, I, I, nah, I, I, I won't, you know. And now I regret my decision immensely. Wow. Thank you, Orphan, for making me doubt myself and hate my decision making skills. Thank you, Orphan, for making me hate myself more than I already do, which is an achievement that I couldn't believe was possible outside of being the people who birthed me. Oof. So thank you, Orphan. Thank you, Orphan. And also, I love you, Mom, because I know you listen to these episodes sometimes. And if you got this far, then thank you. Thank you, Mom. Thank you for supporting me so hard. I love you very much. 
I'm getting off the stage now. Yeah, please do. No, one and one more thing. Craig, call security. One more thing. Craig, one more off. thing. The ED had a great song, but it was shittily animated, and also the OP sucks balls. Mm. Anyway, so if I wanted to subject myself to this torture, where would I watch it? Funimation. Okay, so now let's get into my sh- my final show. Murinase Seton Gakuen, or in English, Join the Pack Seton Academy. A show by the lovely studio Gokumi, who did Kiniro Mosaic and Yuki Yuna as a hero. Based on the manga in 2016 by Yamashita Bungo. Imagine a world where you have animals going to school alongside humans. And this particular school, Seton Academy, being a safe haven where carnivores and herbivores can coexist peacefully and have school studies and go to their own clubs. We have our main characters, Mazuma Jean and Okami Ranka. Ranka? Okami Ranka. Mazuma Jean is a human boy and he hates animals. Like, really hates animals. Wow, what an asshole. Like, he is straight up racist against animals. And they kind of play it down in the later episodes. It's like, oh, it's so funny. But when you first get exposed to it, it's like, wow, this is heavy. And then you have Okami Ranka, who is a wolf. A, let's see. Who's a particular kind of wolf? Uh, No biography written. Fantastic. Uh, She's a wolf. And you might think, just a wolf? You mean like a wolf girl? And you'll be right. Kind of. See, the way this show portrays its uh, animal characters, the the females are Neko, and that they're just humans with ears and tails and other basic features, while the males are all anthro. Basically the animal, standing up on its hind legs, talking. It's very weird how they did that. And when I first read, uh, saw this trailer, I thought it was going to be a, like, D-tier show among bad fan service shows. But as I watched it, I really, really, really enjoyed it. Because the it's a comedy show, and a lot of the comedy they have are animal fact-based. So a lot of the animal characters, their personalities are based around the act. Uh, actual animal characteristics the comedy gags are based around like certain fa- uh, animal factoids like how uh, tarsiers if they get anxious then they will beat their head against a tree and so we have a tarsier character beating their her head against the wall or the floor quite often we have a koala who <laughs> is her entire character art is her searching for a certain food that she had when she was young. And she's trying to rediscover it, but all she eats is eucalyptus. And so she finds the food that she's been searching for. And segue into koala facts. 
a koala, a baby koala does not have the stomach bacteria and lining uh, developed yet to handle straight eucalyptus because of the poison on eucalyptus. So the baby has to redigest it from the mother, from the mother's digestion of eucalyptus through her poop. Oh. So in the show, the food that our young koala, our little koala f- character is trying to find is her mother's poop. Fascinating. Fascinating. And so, this whole show starts off when Mazuma Jean has an encounter with Raka, and Raka, being a small wolf wolf girl, uh, is trying to make a pack out of anyone who would join, and so she demands that Jean. Or, yeah, Jean, uh, join her pack. He refuses, but does anyways, because uh, she he is trying to earn the affection of Hino Hitomi, the only female human at the school. So, she wants to start a cooking class, so he starts a cooking class, and Ronka joins the cooking class, and as the show goes on, everyone wants to join the cooking class. From a from the koala Komori Yukari to a sloth uh, Shishio Miyubi, who's who is a funny quirk is that if she exerts herself too much she dies, and she dies Perfect. frequently throughout the show. And there was one particular her focused episode where it happens a lot, and it 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 slayed me. It was so good. I love this show, and it's it's a uh, animal fact based comedy. Mm. And throughout the show, beyond the cooking club, you have you have interesting little set piece characters like a a uh, naked mole rat girl who if she has a reverse nudity mentality, where if she has on too many clothes, she considers that to be perverted and lewd. So, she spends her time, quote-unquote, naked. And she has an intense hate for the lewd intermingling of species. And you also have a lion who is madly in love with a impala. And so, sacrifices his throne and his lioness harem and his magnificent mane for this impala. And you have characters from a... A uh, class group of extinct animals who, one by one, find out they're not actually extinct. And it's similar to, like, what you wanted to get from Smile Down the Runway, in that you expected to learn stuff. I learned a lot of animal facts from the show. Some I appreciate, some I do not. The first half of the show is very strong. I give it a recommendation based on that. The second half stays strong but introduces a lot more fan service. Not to say that there isn't any fan service in the first half, but it gets more prevalent towards the second half. And the it I didn't know where a show like this was going to end up, how the how the season was going to end. I surely did not expect a lolly wolf and a lolly woolly mammoth fighting each other to the death in in a, in a boxing ring. 
But overall, I would give this show a six, and I do give it a eh, yeah, I recommend it. And if you want to watch it, you can watch this also on Burr via Crunchyroll. Neat. Well, that's our shows. Those are our shows. Got a lot of positivity from Brad for once. <laughs> Meanwhile, me, this show is garbage. This show I didn't like. This show was not that great. And I'm just, and I had to give it to Bofuri because I do remember Bofuri making me smile. So yeah. can't be negative all the time. <laughs> well, that was our shows. And now we so, get to the fun part. Yeah? Well, we pick out our favorite OPs and EDs from this season. Okay, all right. You want to go first or me? I'll go first. Let's see. From the shows that... Uh, a lot of the OPs were kind of unimpressive. Uh, I can't choose from... I looked at all the OPs from the shows you and I watched because mine were fairly... If I just pick mine, that would be fairly li limited. Yeah. But I had to go with Toilet Bound Hanukoku because the colorful art style in this show is magnified by like three times in the OP. It has a rockin' score and it does pretty well at summarizing the show, showing like all the characters and spirits that they'll be encountering and has a neat little thing where the spirits that they encounter are silhouetted until they're revealed in the actual episode, which is which risks leaving an uninteresting OP, but it still keeps a little bit of mystery. Huh. Mm, what about your ED? Ooh, ED. That was something different. I tried to keep this go like I feel like with each OP, each show I watch. Uh, as I get exposed to the OP and ED, I'm like, this is my favorite. And then I watch the next show, it's like, no, this is my favorite. Just because I've seen it so many times. Well, I mean, there were my two favorites are ones that... They're both from my shows, but it's not because they were my shows. It was because they were both ones that I legitimately put on a playlist because they were bops for me. Yeah. And although Toilet Bound Hanukkah... Uh, that one was really stellar, and I love the art design for that OP, especially the silhouettes you're talking about. That that gets me rock hard when they do that kind of thing, you know? Yeah. Uh, but I do have an OP. I, I do have an ED picked. It's kind of hard to pick because a lot of EDs tend to be either like non-relevant to the show, just having characters doing fun stuff, or it's just like a a chill out like hey here's the end of the show you can go ahead and skip now <laughs> but if I had to pick one it would be the ED from Setone Academy because it has Ranka doing like a grade school singing rendition of the song and it's it's very cute Just, it has some light voice cracks and syllable slippage which it's, it's very cute especially with tiny little Ranka Aww. Uh, well, for my OP, I 
I never skipped this one just because it got me pumped up and it got me inspired to watch the show. And I think that's why I stayed with it for so long. It's just because hearing that that got me excited. And it's Lion by Ami Sakaguchi, uh, which is the OP for Smile Down the Runway. And a lot of it, it is kind of generic. I will admit that the visuals are very generic, but the poppy up, the poppy beats of the song and how just fun it sounds and seeing all these characters and their difference, it, like, you know, that sort of introductionary fashion that, that OPs do, it got me excited to watch the, uh, to watch the show, especially because they didn't reveal it until the end of episode one, because yeah. it's kind of Ikuto heavy, who turns out to be the real protagonist and not the, uh, Chiyuki, who is the runway model and i really liked that that really caught me off guard and i really liked just i, I just liked it because seeing them walk down the runway and just ikuto it, it just it made a poppy little fun op that got me excited to watch the show and compelled to watch it and i think that's what an op really needs to do is invite you in and say hey this is gonna be a slow episode but i pumped you up enough right yeah i did cool and lion by ami ami sakaguchi really did that for me uh, it is a song I put on my uh, my Weeaboo playlist, so of course it's it's there. Just shit on me then with me not saying the song name and singer name. Oh, I'm sorry. Like you know, I, I get really into this. Yeah. Let me just uh, let me just um, uh, amend myself after uh, after you say your ED. Uh, well, and my ED is coming from a song from is from ID Invaded. Yeah. And I didn't like ID Invaded at all, but I loved this ED, and I never skipped it. And it is Other Side by Miyabi. And it's got them heavy beats, you know, that that just, mm, like, it's just like we're going to a metal rave. Yeah. Almost. And I love just that the actual visuals they used with the... Um, with the various detectives and all looking like buildings under construction are marred in the sort of post-apocalyptic uh, environment. And it looked really good. Like, it was really atmospheric, especially mixed with the, the vocalist just going, I see you on the other side! Yeah. I was just like, oh man, this it was, is... It was definitely a runner-up for me. Yeah, like, I, I... That's one of my bops. I put it on, and it's... It, 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 if I don't skip an ED, then you're doing great. And I never skipped this ED, and I never skipped my OP. Yeah. But I did watch the Hanako-kun one a lot in preparation. I said, eh, it's not the song's not exactly my jam, but it is a brilliantly visual, it is brilliantly uh, animated. Yeah. And would definitely hype me to watch the show if I'd picked it. <laughs> 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 But my yeah. picks for OP and ED, the toilet-bound Hanako-kun opening is the song number 7 by Jibaku Shonen Band. And the Seto Academy ED is the song Okami Blues by Hina Kino. I like that name, Okami Blues. Yeah. Alright, well, so... If you had to pick a waifu out of what you've watched so far, a waifu and a husbando, which one would you pick? Who would you pick? Ooh. Uh, I'm going to try and stick with the shows I watch because otherwise I would say was it Kotoko from yeah Kotoko, Inspector? and that would yeah. that just wouldn't be fair. Uh, <laughs> that wouldn't be very fair. 
I have to pick. I have to find her name real quick. All right, I'll just. Yeah. Just, I'll handle it myself. <laughs> I leave this to you. Uh, well, for for Husbando, uh, I am gonna have to say that just by his design, his backstory of being a troubled father and all that. I would have to say that my husbando was definitely uh, Akihito Sakaido Narahisago, who is the detective, the brilliant detective from ID Invaded. Love his long scarf. Love his hair. <laughs> love how just messed up he can be. And I just love his backstory. And he culminates into a very, very engaging protagonist that I loved seeing. And for for waifu, that's going to be kind of hard, actually. Really? Uh, I'm going to say Kasumi from Beauforty. She's really cute. And I really liked her little character arc, but also Maple's really cute. And I feel like hmm, it's a tie between Maple and Kasumi hmm. from Beauforty. Well, let's see. My waifu of the season is from the case file of Jula Richard. It is Sho uh, Shoko Tanimoto, who is a love interest for Seiki. And, and there's like a mini mini arc around that. She has she has like a innate interest in jewelry. Like, and when she gets into jewelry mode, where she's talking about the differences of certain stones and like the history of around it, she gets into this like into this passionate state. And it's I've always I'm always drawn to when uh, people get very passionate about their hobbies because you get to see them who the, how they truly are. And <laughs> her especially, she has like these like dinner plate eyes but when she's talking about jewels and or gemstones and she gets really into it they narrow down into these very knife hole slits and it's it's very kind of aggressive no she looks more sly than anything and it's i just really like that it really does something for me her hair is very cute and <laughs> I'm going to sound weird for saying this, but she's got some nice eyebrows, and <laughs> yeah, you do sound weird for it. I mean, it's not something you really notice until you notice it. But when you see some nice eyebrows, you're like, damn, that really completes the look. It was already complete before, but this completes it a plus. Wow, you get what I'm saying, right? Right? No, I do not. Come on, you know, Zelda from Breath of the Wild? She has a nice eyebrows, too. What is up with you and eyebrows? It's not a thing. It's just... A... It sounds like a thing. <laughs> it's like an... It's not something I seek out. It's just like, if I notice it, that's an extra point in the favor. You know? Okay. I'm sure whoever writes the synopsis, the synopsis, synopsis for this episode is going to mention your eyebrow fetish. Listen. Yeah, you like eyebrows, man. Own it. Own own that eyebrow love. Don't shame me then. I'm not. You're you are. you're you having are with a, your toe. You're having a persecution complex. You because you're in love with something that's different. You feel like I'm persecuting you and I'm not. 
Well, maybe you should. Yeah, I should. <laughs> but anyway, for husbando of the season, uh, that's gonna be tough. I guess Shizuno from uh, Somali and the Forest Spirit. He's a little dwarf oni, and he is a a medicinal type. So he. Or he has a medicinal profession, so he gathers herbs and makes them into medicines for different clans and species. And he, along with his assistant, take on the a more fatherly role once uh, the golem uh, is getting closer and closer to his end of life. And Shizuno especially, being the same size and same energy level of, uh, of Somali, uh, can also act as like a brother uh, figure. And his design is very endearing. He's got those, like, solid... He's got, like, those inverted eyes where it's black sclera and you know, and white iris. And it's always very interesting to see. And that, that would be my pick. All right. That has been a heckin' long discussion. Yep. Holy moly, what the actual fuck. This is what happens when we talk about a lot of shows. Yeah, this is really, this is buffy, this is, this is a buff episode. Mm-hmm. Hopefully you have stayed around to the end, and congratulations, thank you. I feel very honored. Yeah, you should be. I feel honored. I feel honored to have you. To have everyone here with us. Me too. I feel very honored. Thank you for getting to the end. And just, just you know, thank you. And if our opinions mean anything, that just you take them, to use them. Go use them. Don't yeah. watch Orphan. <laughs> and thank you for listening to the Otaku Melancholy podcast. We have been your host. I'm home. Matt. <laughs> Try that again. I didn't mean to do that. And I'm Brad. Join us every Tuesday and every other Friday. You can find our uh, where we host our episodes on our website at otakumelancholy.com. All one word, otakumelancholy.com. There you can also find some information about us, your hosts, and some non-anime reviews in text format. Ooh. There you can also contact us uh, via the page or via our email at otakumelancholypodcast at gmail.com. Sorry, I got the, the email wrong. <laughs> if somebody's been sending emails, and you've been sending it to some stranger. Oh, uh, what? Is that the email? Yeah, it's otakumelancholypodcast. Earlier we've been saying otakumelancholy. Okay. But you can use that email to send us some constructive criticism or some love notes or some anime recommendations. Confess to me via email, my darlings. (laughs) And on our website, you can also find our social media sites, our Discord, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Join our Discord. Join the conversation. We post some funny memes there sometime. Yeah, tell me why I'm wrong if you (laughs) dare to about Orphan. I will bring the fight to you and lastly 
Make sure to join us next week where we continue on part two of our seasonal review where we discuss shows that we both have watched. So it'll be uh, nice and hearty. We're reviewing the monster titty anime, so stay for that. Yeah. Yeah, come for that. And also, come for that. Oh, hey oh. Hey oh. Hey oh. Do 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 Okay. Uh, and as Walt Disney once said, all our anime can come true if we have the courage to pursue them. Alright. That's it. Bye-bye. Take care. Gambate. We'll see you on the other side. <laughs>